welcome to the Witchy Work Wishes podcast, a place to find your weekly inspiration for bringing your personal witchcraft practice into your business, work, and office. Welcome to Witchy Work Wishes. I am your host, Charlene, and today we are starting a two-part series all about the floofs in our lives and how important they are in our practice. It is time for Witchcraft and Cats. But first, some things I did over the weekend to help with my own personal practice. Oh, it was a witchy, witchy weekend for sure. I was back in my element, or one of them, the kitchen. This time it was over at my mom's house and in her kitchen, and we spent an entire day canning spiced peaches. Okay, maybe not the entire day, but we had some amazing wine later to celebrate our success. But we did it, like start to finish, the whole kit and caboodle. We picked the peaches right off her own personal hand-nourished garden trees. We boiled the peaches and skinned them and then added the magical ingredients of cinnamon and cloves and sugar. And of course, we sealed the mason jars with love. Now, going into the big canning process, I knew I wanted it to be witchy. I wanted to add the intentions of love and family and togetherness and our own personal tradition and history into each jar. So these spiced peaches have a long running history with my family. They only come out twice a year at our Thanksgiving dinner and our Christmas dinner. And that's it. The special, you know, spiced peaches are plated alongside our turkey feast with you know, your typical stuff, your stuffing and gravy and mashed potatoes and Parmesan onions and fresh peas. But that's it. Only those two very special family dinners. And then we wait an entire year to do it again. So the tricky part of, you know, um, the canning session with my mom was that I have not come out of the broom closet with her. Of course, I did all of my own personal witchy things in the canning process without her really knowing. But going into the weekend, I did toy with letting her know. Ultimately, I backed out. (laughs) There were lots of little hints, though. Lots of little breadcrumbs, if you will. Um, So at some point, if I eventually even do, uh, tell her it might go over a little smoother. So let's see, during the day at my mom's house, if canning peaches, canning spiced peaches with her was not special enough, we talked about all of our family traditions around the kitchen. And guess what she brought out? My great-great-grandmother's handwritten recipe books. Not just her recipe books, but books that were handed down to her, along with my mom's um, mother's books. And there was this collection of, I think, about eight leather-bound tiny books, Um, not all handwritten. There were some cuttings from old articles um, with recipes in it, you know, that were published a long time ago that were glued to the pages too. But there is one little leather-bound handbook dated 1873 with cursive handwriting and notes with measurements and ingredients and all that good stuff. So I'm very fortunate all of the cookbooks were gifted to me this past weekend, and I feel like I was given a part of my past, and not just any past in history, but the kitchen love for family that has been a part of the women in my bloodline for many, many years. I cannot wait to go through the books, almost like little mini grimoires (laughs) that have been handed down, and try out all the recipes. So I also got my supplies ready for my Lunasa Bisam or Abrum. Now, us working witches need to be organized in our ventures. You know, planning ahead for what will be needed in our upcoming weeks is essential. 
or you know, I'll speak for myself, I needed. <laughs> so while I waited um, to make the besom for the 1st of August, I did actually get the supplies I wanted for it over the weekend. And since I taped this podcast over the weekend, as of the taping, I have not yet made it, but I'm super excited. This is my first handmade besom and creating it with a very powerful full moon and full moon spell is something I am beyond anxious to get going. I'll for sure post a picture or something on Instagram so you can see how it turns out, but I'm super excited. Now our moon this week, well, of course, yesterday was August 1st in Lunasa and a big, beautiful super moon was shining in our sky. Um, and we are actually still seeing it tonight. So I hope everyone had an amazing day, amazing evening, and you're taking full advantage of the full moon energy right now. It's strong. Okay, I already have my notes. So while I'm grabbing them, I have a quick ad and then we'll head into our part one of two podcasts that is all about witchcraft and cats. All right, witchcraft and cats. First, if you happen to be a cat owner yourself, I would love, just love if you would post a picture of your floof on my Witchy Work Wishes Instagram page after listening to this. I'll start off with a post about this podcast, of course, but um, and then add one of my own cat <laughs> or cats. Um, but if we can have a big feed full of our fluffy family members, we can showcase our cat powers with everyone. All right, how did it all start? Like, why? Why above all other animals... Is the number one animal associated with witches the cat? Where did these strong and significant tie with witchcraft and cats come from? Well, that is where we are going to begin. And to do so, we need to go all the way back to cats, the moon, and the power of the feminine. It probably will not shock you that we are starting in Egypt for this. And we're heading back thousands of years, long before the Renaissance period beyond the Vikings and the 1100s, really we are going to go back to the ancient civilization time, or the end of it, around 3150 BC. The pictures of ancient Egyptian tombs with mummified cats either alongside their buried human companions or maybe even by themselves are fascinating. And if you want to you know, just read up on that alone, there is so much information published on it. Now, I believe the oldest tomb with a mummified cat in it, according to National Geographic, is close to 10,000 years old, something like that. It was found back on the island Cyprus in the Mediterranean. Now, the timeline for this is incredible. Like, I'm overwhelmed going back 130 years with a family cookbook. <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine the rush of finding a tomb that goes back like almost 10,000 years. So in Egypt, um, two of their feminine deities are Bastet and Sekhmet. Both are daughters of the sun god, Ra. Now I mentioned Ra back in the episode about Sunday being the sun's day. Ra is an Egyptian god of the sun who has the head of a falcon with a sun on top. It is said that Ra combined his powers with the Egyptian supreme god, Amun, and together they created a new deity called Amun-Ra. Amun-Ra became the god, the king of their gods, sorry, and was their creator of the universe. Ra's two beautiful daughters, Bastet and Sekhmet, are not just Egyptian deities, 
They are powerful feminine goddesses that are still honored today. Bastet is the goddess of cats. She is usually shown as an actual cat or with the body of a woman and the head of a cat. She is a home a protection and fertility goddess. The Egyptians believed cats were incarnations of the goddess Bastet, so it was considered a crime against the deity herself if you killed one. Rather, cats were treated like gods themselves. They were welcomed in the home and helped families hunt. Sekhmet is Bastet's sister, and she is a hunter and protector of the pharaohs. Now, Sekhmet has the body of a woman with the head of a lion. And we all know our own personal little feline kitties look into the mirror and see themselves as a ferocious, strong lion, right? Well, Sekhmet actually was one. She is known as a hunter, and not just any hunter, but one of the strongest, most fierce hunters of the Egyptians. So she would actually help the Egyptians and lead them into battle. So there is one more main Egyptian goddess associated with cats, and that is Maftet, which means the runner. Now, Maftet is a feminine goddess with the head of a cheetah, who has braided fur on her head with scorpion tails at the end. She is a goddess of protection. So remember when I was talking about the power of the sun with mirrors last week? And even if you have not yourself taken a mirror and angled it just so that the rays of the sun become your own personal lightsaber, <laughs> catching whatever you shine on it um, into a flame, uh, we know how powerful the sun is to life and how destructive it can be as well. So cats are much the same. And the two Egyptian sister goddesses, uh, Bastet and Sekhmet, were thought to have their father's eye and were associated with an all-seeing type power. So dad, Ra, ruler of the sun, has both powers. Equal sides, right? The sun is protective and it gives life, but it is equally destructive with its hot rays. This uh, duality, this equal balance of destruction and protection could not define cats better. And the Egyptians viewed cats in the very same manner, with the same balance. They were amazing, loving companions, and they were deadly hunters. There are other early gods and goddesses associated with cats. Babylonian mythology has Nurgle, a ferocious king of protection, who is seen as a lion. Dawan is a Hindu goddess, shown as a hybrid tiger and lion. The Japanese have Kasha, a big, like bigger than humans, um, cat that transforms into house cats to live amongst the humans. Misi Peshu is with the Obwa, Ojibwa mythology, um, who looks like a cougar with horns and associated with protection, medicine, and fishing. So let's fast forward a little to the medieval times, because here is where the tone changed. And guess what? What was the major factor in their status change? Religion. <laughs> and not the old gods who knew cats were powerful. The old gods believed in cats having powers, and certainly those familiar with Freya, the Norse goddess, know what cats are for her. So Egyptians might have started us off with the power of cats and considered them as, you know, one with their goddesses. We also have Diana, a Greek goddess, Freya, a Norse goddess, and more. But the Norse and cats have a tight connection. That said, in medieval times, there was a new god who entered our society. A new religion started spreading, and this religion, Christianity, told their followers that cats were evil and were associated with pagans. 
It somewhat makes sense in that this new religion was all about a single god, a male god, and that male energy is what ruled. Cats are highly associated with female energy, feminine power, and the moon. And this feminine power was looked down upon with the Christian church. So by the time of, you know, the Middle Ages, like maybe 500 to the 1500s, the Christian religion said cats were now to be associated with witchcraft and darkness and feminine power was wrong. So cats were still around, of course. They were needed to rid villages of mice and unwanted pests, but it was only for their hunting abilities that they were tolerated. The World Encyclopedia has a great article about cats in the Middle Ages and pulls a quote from scholar Desmond Morris in their article who wrote, and I quote, Religious bigots have often employed the cunning device of converting other people's heroes into villains to suit their own purposes. In this way, the ancient horned god that protected earlier cultures was first transformed into the evil devil of Christianity, and the revered sacred feline of ancient Egypt became the wicked sorcerer's cat of medieval Europe. Many things considered holy by a previous religious faith have automatically been damned by a new religion. In this way began the darkest chapter in the cat's long association with mankind. For centuries it was persecuted, and the cruelties heaped upon it were given the full backing of the church. Well, guess what happens when you hunt, kill, and persecute most all of the cats? Problems. An actual war. Yes, an actual war was declared against cats in 1233 by a Catholic pope. It was Pope Gregory IX who said that cats are Satan's spirit. And for those loyal to Pope Gregory IX, they followed his word and started killing cats. Now, we all know the famous saying, while the cat is away, the mice will play, right? And play they did. It was around 1300, uh, the bubonic plague was in full force. Now, the you know, plague had been going on for a long time, I think 100 years, but it peaked and was taking lives daily. And the mice, the rats, and the other rodents carried the plague and spread it from village to village. I believe we later found that fleas were actually the culprits <laughs> spreading the plague, um, so they could have traveled and spread through movement of many animals. But the church insisted that the plague was a message from their God and a punishment for their followers' sins not knowing it was carried and shared with everyone through rodents and fleas. So, cats continued to get a bad rap and were killed and persecuted. But guess who else started getting hunted and persecuted? Yep, witches. Okay, this is because, and don't take this verbatim, but the story loosely goes that females and felines were still together, and those homes protected by the cats yet to be killed were rodent-free. Over time, the plague took out something like 25 million lives. It was huge, massive populations of, of Europe. But some of the villages that retained cats in their homes, again, being rodent-free, did not come down with the plague. So these women were said to be witches, possessing some alternate power that protected them from the plague. And guess what? A new war was launched. A war against witches. A witch hunt. So this new war and witch hunt was executed by really those that were loyal to the church. And the association made by neighbors and church members were for those who had a cat. Now, we all know this allowed vengeance in many forms, even if you didn't think your neighbor was a witch. If you had some falling out or maybe you just didn't like them, 
All one had to do back then was say, they're a witch, and the hunt would pursue. Crazy, right? Up through 1400, both females and cats were killed because they were thought to be each other's familiar. This was out of loyalty to the church. Their followers thought their god would punish them if they did not carry out the removal of cats and witches. All right, let's fast forward again. This time, jumping to a time called the Protestant Reformation. This revolution was a religious one where the people of Europe branched out and allowed their own interpretation of Christianity, not the one you know, forced upon them by the medieval churches. So if you are of Christian faith, this time in history is very, very significant. Without getting into too many details, um, we can get back to the kitties. <laughs> by the 15th century, their church was so totally corrupt. And to rectify this, the Reformation happened and new denominations were started. Okay, back to cats and witchcraft. So there is obviously a long, long running history. And I could easily have just this amazing, you know, past in two, in two podcasts alone. But I would like to tie cats and witchcraft together in this episode and then next week talk about the amazing spells and workings and things we can do with them, their fallen whiskers and their shed claws. All right, so we know what the initial tie is with witches and cats, right? Cats are feminine power. Witches are feminine power. Cats, um, they're out with the moon. Witches are out with the moon. The moon is feminine power. Cats have intuition. Witches, the same. Cats, self-grooming and beauty. Feminine, self-grooming and beauty. Witches, feminine. <laughs> cats, spirit realm. Witches, spirit realm. Uh, cats, self-aware. You know, that sixth sense. Witches, the same. Cats, independent. Witches, independent. <laughs> Catches, nimble and stealthy. Witches, the same. Uh, cats, shapeshifters. Witches, shapeshifters. Uh, cats really choose to gift you their time. So do witches. Cats are inherently suspicious. Witches are too. Cats have boundaries. They don't just let anyone in. And witches are the same. So on and so on and so on. We have a lot of similarities. So for me, personally, my tie with cats has been a long-standing one. I have always had cats in my life. Going back to a very small child, I had my cat named Muffin who slept in my room and shared everything with me. As a young girl, I had a cat named Peaches who my parents at the time insisted on letting her out every evening because that's what they thought you do with cats, right? Uh, not my cat. As my parents honestly would let her out the back screen door, she would do her cat stuff, walk around to the front of the house to where my bedroom window was, which I promptly opened, let her in to sleep with me all night. When I got up in the morning, I opened my window again, let her out, she did her cat stuff, went to the back door to be let back into the house by my parents who thought she was out all night. So we had a system and it worked. <laughs> uh, let's see, in college, I made it, I don't know, like about six months without a cat. And then I got Thorin, who was with me through my marriage and was able to be um, with my two boys when they were super little. So I have had many, many cats since then and currently have three of my own right now. I know I've mentioned the absence of gods and goddesses in my life and, you know, my personal practice. I really don't have deities that I work um, with, but there is no doubt, or, you know, when that does happen, that I firmly believe I'll be working with the old gods, not a new one. 
And while I do not specifically work with any now, I am very much drawn to some of them. And Freya is one. Not just one, but the strongest one I feel a pull to. So Freya is the Norse goddess of love and beauty and fertility. Uh, She's a goddess of war and battle and abundance and, of course, witchcraft. So Freya travels on a beautiful chariot led by two cats. And it is said that after the cats have served her for seven years, she thanks them and rewards them by transforming them into witches. Freya wears a bringensman, is that how you say that? Brig, brisingman, brisingman necklace and a coat of falcon feathers. And she's accompanied by her boar, Hildzavini. And he is a vernier archer and is Freya's advisor. Now, Freya has a cloak of falcon feathers that allows her to shapeshift into a bird. Her name translates to lady, and she is a member of the Norse god pantheon called the Vanir. Freya grants magic to help with spell work and is said to have taught the art of magic to Odin, the Allfather. She is known to come when warriors are dying and takes half of the strongest fighters to her court, Folkvanger, when they die. Now, the word Folkvang, Folkvang, I believe, basically means the army place, if I have that right. Um, The other half will go to Odin's court, Valhalla. Now, Friday is her day. The number 13 is Freya's number. So when the 13th falls on a Friday, ah, watch out, you will have Freya's power and energy amplified. It is widely considered the day of the divine feminine. Now, going back to the church and witchcraft and cats, after the church started their quest to convert uh, pagans to Christianity, Freya became the queen of witches. In the Dark Ages, if the church found anyone still worshipping Freya or devoted to her, they were automatically accused of witchcraft and hunted down. Freya has two cats, Beigel and Tregel, and they are the powerful cats that pull Freya's chariot. These two cats are loyal to her and protectors of her. Now, North tradition says that farmers can leave milk out for Freya's two cats, so they protect their crops in farmland just like they protect Freya. So I had what I believe to be a sign from Freya recently. It was on a dark and stormy Friday. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay, but it did actually happen on a Friday, which is Freya's day. So I think I mentioned before that I foster kittens. And usually by mid-spring, you know, early summer, I'm easily on my second batch of little ones to foster and get healthy for adoption. So this year, there's been nobody, or up until this point, there was nobody. So on a Friday back in May, the Humane Society brought me a beautiful, all-black, fluffy little girl. Super healthy, which is not normal. Usually when I'm fostering, I'm trying to get somebody healthy. Um, But she was super healthy, really already at a weight that we could spay her and get her out for adoption. So she just needed like a weekend care. I scooped her up and got her all settled at my home with me and all of my other animals on that Friday night. It was always a little chaotic adding someone new to the mix, especially when it's temporary. Um, But a bunch of things happened on that Friday. So it was a full moon. And that Friday, which is the fifth day of the week, also happened to be May 5th on the calendar. I felt very overwhelmed. There was lots of things happening, but it really didn't all settle in until the next day on Saturday when I realized what was going on. So cats in general are the guardians of that other realm and spirit world. They represent protection and guidance with it. But a black cat, an all-black cat, 
is a deep representation of the spirit world, much like our crows and ravens are. And just like them, black cats are much like having your own personal black stones or crystals right by you for protection. So black cats are about intuition and divine protection. And of course, magic. <laughs> Some people believe that black cats go out at night and shapeshift to do a witch's work for her while she's sleeping. This little cute fluffy girl coming to me on a full moon on a Friday, Freya's day, with the numbers 555 lighting up. And it happened to be when I was making my first ever elixir potion. I felt overwhelmed. You know, Freya is all about cats and one coming to me on her day seems important. A sign Freya is coming is also seeing a ladybug. And honestly, that day, that Friday, I had to run home real quick to let some workers in for some repairs they were doing. And when I did, a ladybug was on my front door. And so far in that in the season, I hadn't seen one yet. It was the first one. So it was significant. Now, Freya is one of the moon goddesses too. So all of these things lining up, and I, I really do believe they lined up, I do think they were a sign from Freya. She was protecting me that Friday and sent a little black kitten to do the same. All right, what do you think? Is this a good time to break the two podcasts apart? <laughs> so hard. I know, I feel like I'm, we should just keep talking and jumping right into all of the amazing things we can do with cats in our practice. But let's, ugh, I hate to do this, but let's put a quick hold on it for now so I can add a poem and let you guys um, get back to work. I promise next week is going to be amazing. I have notes on charms for our cats, spells with cat claws, and spells with cat whiskers, other realms, protection, and more. But for now, just join me for a quick poem about Freya, and then I'll wrap up this week's episode. All right, well, I wrote this poem back in February, and it is perfect. Okay, it's perfect for today's episode. Um, it's interesting that I asked Freya in this poem for a sign. And sure enough, I caught one. I really did. I wrote my own poem about witchcraft and cats, um, a new poem, but it's much more fitting for next week's podcast since it's more for spells and stuff. So for today's poem, it's one I wrote about Freya, and it goes, Oh, beautiful goddess Freya, I see you. It's your wisdom and witchcraft I look to. You give me guidance and nudge me along and show me the balance of right and wrong. I call you today to bring forth your power and gift you a blossom of the primrose flower. I call you today to bring forth your love as your Friday holds all I dream of. O goddess of love and goddess of war with your faithful cats and steadfast boar, Send me a sign that you see me too. Am I on the right path for what's starting new? I call you today and offer you honey. I honor the falcon, the horse, and the bunny. I smile with every ladybug I see and know your wisdom is guiding me. O oh, goddess of warriors that fight so brave, pick me for your court in veneer one day. My candle is lit and my feathers are near. It is only your voice that I want to hear. O oh, Freya goddess, I see you. I vow to always be faithful and true. Fearless and brave, I promise to be as I start my new life and claim the new me. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, that is all I have for you this week. I really do appreciate you um, coming back. <laughs> Don't forget, it's part two next week with Witchcraft and Cats. Till then, I hope you have a great rest of your week and weekend, and I'll talk with you next week. Thank you for joining me today at Witchy Work Wishes a place to find your weekly inspiration for bringing your personal witchcraft practice into your business, work, and office. For more information and additional content, please visit me online at witchyworkwishes.com. If you want to send me a personal note, please email me at info at witchyworkwishes.com. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Witchy Work Wishes. <laughs>